Will you stand for the reading of God's word? Amen. Turn with me to the book of Zechariah. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, next to the last book of the Bible, of the Old Testament. The title of my message is King Over All the Earth. I'm reading from the book of Zechariah chapter 14. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoils shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. Skip down to verse 9. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day there shall be one Lord and his name one. You may be seated. The Christmas story begins with the humble scene in the stable and an unlikely place for a king to be born. Ordinary visitors coming from the fields, very likely much in need of a shower and a change of clothes. But they had heard the message. The divine tidings had been brought by the angel and they'd heard the music and the angels singing, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. When they arrived in Bethlehem, they could see the stable, the straw, the manger, and the baby in the manger. They could see Mary and Joseph. And it was quite a, an experience. They no doubt could hear the noise of the merry crowd in the inn across the way, where there was no room for this Mary and Joseph and the newborn babe. And the noisy crowd was having all of their cheer and their fun and their frolic. But Mary and Joseph were there watching over the newborn Christ child that had been wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. They'd been told by the innkeeper, there's no room. Too many guests have arrived. And it may have been true or it may not have been true. Mary and Joseph too had come on a long journey and may have been in need of a shower and a change of clothes and an expectant mother ready to be delivered at any moment might create quite a problem in the end. Had the innkeeper known that this was an event that would be heralded in history as one of the greatest events of all time and that the birthplace of the Messiah would be one of the most sought out tourist sites in all of human history. People would come from all over the world just to peer in where they think the Christ child was born. If he had thought about this tourist attraction aspect, he would have volunteered to give his own suite to this couple. He would have moved out someone to make room for nobility. Mary and Joseph, though, had no room for them in the inn. 
There was war against Christ 2,000 years ago. Herod sought to kill the Christ. The place where he was born had no room for him. But when the shepherds made their way into Bethlehem and into the stable, they saw the Christ. They saw the babe in the manger. They saw the Savior the angel had told them about. And they, the one that the chant had been, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Now with their own eyes, they could wonder and adore. The celebration of the birth of Christ would offend the Roman government. They wouldn't like what's going on one bit. Herod would not tolerate any news of another king. He was a puppet king, but he would never tolerate the news that another king had been born. The crowd in Bethlehem refused to believe, even though now then the shepherds had come and they acknowledged what they had seen and made quite a noise as they were exiting the small town of Bethlehem. They refused to believe the ancient prophecies. Bethlehem residents refused to believe the ancient prophecies that pointed out the very birthplace of the Messiah. But God arranged a special celebration. It would not go unnoticed. The sky literally lit up with the glory of God that appeared as the angels, multitude of the angels appeared. And the Bible says the glory of God shone round about. Astronomers and men from a distant eastern country would recognize this as symbolic of the birth of nobility. A king had been born. The angel would say, fear not for I bring you good tidings of great joy to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the King. Can everyone say Christ the King? He said, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. The Shekinah glory of God, the visible, literal, physical cloud of the glory of God appeared in the sky above the shepherds, much like it did in the Old Testament when a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night accompanied the children of Israel on their journey across the wilderness towards the promised land, when the heavenly host appeared in the sky, praising God, the Bible says, and saying, glory to God in the highest. Can we say that together? Glory to God in the highest. Come on, one more time. Glory to God in the highest. In the book of Revelation, chapter 5 and verse 11, we see a multitude of angels. I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. I believe it was a repetition of what took place over 2,000 years ago outside the city of Bethlehem. Think about that. 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. This multitude of the heavenly hosts appeared to celebrate the birth of Christ. In the book of Revelation chapter seven, verses 11 and 12, we see another multitude of angels. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever, amen. Here we see a scene in heaven that's going to take place after the rapture and after 
the saints of God are gathered in heaven. And the Bible says all the angels stand round about the throne and they begin to chant, Amen, blessing and honor and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Now if the angels would do that, it seems fit to me that the redeemed saints of God, washed in the blood of Jesus, forgiven of their sin, their names written down in the book of life in heaven, ought to do a little bit of that ourselves. And I want you to stand and let's give God praise. Just glory to God. Honor, praise, dominion, power, and glory to God. Woo, praise God. Praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It is a day of celebration. You may be seated. Who is this king of glory? The prophets in the book of Psalm asked, who is this king of glory? Let me read from Psalm 24, verses 7 through 10. Lift up your head, O ye gates. Be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Give him praise again. <laughs> Hallelujah. Who is this? It's the King of Glory, it's Jesus, Emmanuel, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Everlasting One, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He entered into Jerusalem during his inaugural time of ministry in Matthew chapter 21 and verse five. Tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold, Thy king cometh, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass and a colt, the fold of an ass. I love the way this prophecy is announced. Thy king cometh. Nothing could stop him. Herod could not stop him. Caesar could not stop him. The Roman government could not stop him. The worst of sinners could not stop him. Thy king, thy king cometh. And as he rode into Jerusalem at his triumphal entry on a colt, the fold of an ass, they brought the ass and the colt and put the, on them their clothing and set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Hosanna, as the children led the chant, it means save now, be our savior, 
and they spread clothing and waved palm branches. There was excitement as Jesus came into Jerusalem as the Son of God. Let's demonstrate a little excitement right now. Hallelujah. Hosanna! 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 Praise God. You think back to the humble beginning, the babe in the manger, a little boy in the carpenter shop, is entered now into Jerusalem on a donkey, the fold of an ass, not a mighty stallion. Pilate wrote, though, the inscription above his head on the cross, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. So it had to be acknowledged, the King had come. The Son of God would reign. Who is this Jesus today? Some mock him and ridicule him as an imposter. There are those who still have no room for him today. Traditions, secular interest, pleasure-mad driven throngs. There's no room for Jesus. There are those who will, are trying to destroy the biblical account of the birth of Jesus. They want nothing to do with the nativity. They want nothing to do with the manger. They do not want the world to think in those terms that God sent forth his son as Gary preached to us about the humanity of the Lord Jesus. It had to be that way. God had to bring one into the world that would take away our sins and die for our sins, who would be our intercessor and our mediator, who in all points, like as we are, was tempted yet without sin. The triumphant Christ after the resurrection, though, is seen in the book of Acts, chapter 2. God swore that he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. What is the destiny of this Christ child, the baby in the manger? He's going to sit on a throne. He is born king. The wise men acknowledge that. Now then, God said, even after his resurrection, Peter preached that God said he swore that he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. In verse 33, being by the right hand of God exalted. Where is Jesus? At the right hand of the Father. Seated on a throne at the right hand of the Father's throne. Exalted, high above all. In verse 34, the Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. One day, all of the obstinates, all of the hatred, all of the vile curse words will cease. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let us practice. Jesus Christ is Lord. Come on. Jesus Christ is Lord. Again, Jesus Christ is Lord. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1, Verses 19 to 22. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. He is shown in the book of Revelation standing in the midst of the seven churches of Asia. I turned to see the voice 
that spake with me. Being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his foot, girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire, his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. His voice is the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he had his, laid his right hand upon me and saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. In chapter 14 of the book of Revelation, in verse 14, we see him seated on a white cloud. I looked and behold a white cloud, and upon the cloud one like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. So he is going to be revealed to the world, coming to reap before the tribulation is over at the battle of Armageddon, riding on a white cloud with a sickle in his hand, coming as the Son of God. Again, the book of Revelation shows him on a white horse. In chapter 19, beginning with verse 11, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. The seven churches of Asia were given a message that if they would be faithful and overcome, they would be rewarded. The first church, the church at Ephesus in verse 7, he said, I will grant you to eat the tree of life. Then to the church at Smyrna in verse 11, you shall not be hurt of the second death. The church at Pergamos in verse 17, I will give you the hidden manna and a white stone and a new name written. The church in Thyatira, in chapter 1 and verse 26, I will give you the power over nations. Chapter 2 and verse 5, the church at Sardis, you will be clothed, the overcomers will be clothed with white, and I will not blot his name out, and will confess him before the Father. Chapter 2 and verse 12, the overcomers in the city of Philadelphia, I will make them a pillar in the temple of God. And finally, Chapter 2 and verse 21, the church at Laodicea. I will grant them to sit with me on my throne. Think about it, friends. The babe in the manger is going to be ruling this world from a throne. And he said, if we overcome, we're going to sit with him on his throne. We want to be overcomers. We want this Christmas season to close out with a note of victory. The vision of the latter days was given to you in the passage I read at the beginning of my sermon in Zechariah chapter 14. In verses 1 through 9, verse 1, the day of the Lord cometh. Verse 3, the Lord shall go forth and fight. Verse 11, 
His feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives. Verse 9, the Lord shall be king over all the earth and there shall be one Lord. Here's what I want to leave you with today. The Lord shall be king over all the earth and his name shall be one Lord. I want you to stand and I want us to give our Lord again another great praise unto God Almighty. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God. In our congregation today, a young man just returned from Iraq, Kevin Fitzpatrick. Where are you, Kevin? Raise your hand. Yes, there you are. Thank God. Thank God. His name is in that prayer basket right there along with hundreds of other military men and women serving in Iraq and Afghanistan. And we want to pray for them today. We want to pray especially for anyone in this room right now that's going through some tough times. It may be very difficult for you. Christmas may not have a lot of joy and cheer in the natural. Only the spiritual aspect that you know to be true, irregardless of what's going on around you, you know it's true. So you can rejoice in God our Savior. Bow your heads, please. Is there anyone that will lift your hand and say, Pastor, I'm going through it. I need a miracle. Please pray for me. Slip your hand up anywhere, all over the building. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Many hands, many hands have gone up in the balcony. God sees you. He knows all about it. And I want to pray for you as we close this service out today. I want to urge you, if you are not saved, to make your way down to the front here after this prayer. And I, I want to ask my prayer workers to just come right now and stand here at the altar and be ready to pray with you. God's going to work a miracle for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone in this room, for those who wanted to be here but could not be here for some reason. And I pray for those who had to leave early. And I pray especially for the ones who lifted their hand. I don't know what their problems are. God, I pray for a miracle now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.